Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. So hello there and welcome to a brand new episode of the DNF1 F1 podcast, the show where we talk all of the latest news, gossip and events in the world of Formula 1 and we relay that back to you for your listening or viewing pleasure, depending on which platform you choose to follow us on. And guys, we are at the final stretch of the season, the final furlong if you like, with only two Grand Prix to go, no more delays, no more no race weekend breaks, if you like. We are going to go straight to the final couple of races of the season with no more interruptions. And hopefully, we will have our world champion crowned at the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix in two weeks' time. But of course, it leads us to the small matter of the penultimate race of the season here at Saudi Arabia. In Jeddah, for the first time in Formula One's history, we're going to be having a race in Saudi Arabia. And first of all, of course, we should be talking about all of the big stories happening up into the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix. And of course, we will get into that momentarily. But first, of course, I want to introduce my co-host joining me for this episode. And it's, as always, the Mr. Courtney Pine. Courtney, first of all, how are you doing? How are you feeling? Hello, everyone. Yeah, doing well. Uh, just very excited, obviously, with a couple of races coming up. It's going to be a, it's been a long old season. We're finally going to find out who our world champion is going to be. Absolutely. And of course, we shouldn't ignore the fact that we could end up crowning a world champion at this weekend's Grand Prix. We sincerely hope that we don't because we want it to go to the very end. But of course, there is a possibility that Max Verstappen could, in fact, win the world championship this weekend. But of course, we will get into the permutations when we do our preview a little bit later on. But first, of course, we should talk briefly about the very sad news that hit the F1 world this weekend. And that was the sad passing of Sir Frank Williams, uh, of course, Sir Frank Williams, very much uh, the figurehead, the pioneer, the founder of the Williams F1 team, of course, had to relinquish uh, that role of the team as team principal uh, a couple of years ago, of course, or last year, I should say, with just, uh, you know, Doralton Capital, I should say. Um, and, you know, for those that knew Sir Frank, his name was considered royalty 
in the F1 world. The man enriched, enriched the lives of so many people. Whether they met him or not, you know, as F1 fans, the uh, influence and importance and what Sir Frank offered and what he provided to the sport. I mean, you can use the term a born racer with so many people, but I think Sir Frank epitomised what what was pure about motorsport, what was pure about racing in all of its form. And Sir Frank was a character and a figurehead that was known throughout the entire motorsport world, even beyond that of F1's realms. And um, I don't think you will find uh, a man or a woman that was more uh, fitting and more loved around the paddock than Sir Frank. So it's such a huge loss to, uh, of course, the family who are condolences and deepest thoughts go out to at this time. And of course, everyone in the F1 world that knew him and everyone that knew of him. Um, Courtney, if you can describe, obviously, during this difficult time for a lot of people involved in F1 and outside of the sport, of course, that knew of Sir Frank, um, what are your thoughts at this uh, sudden and yet, of course, very, very sad announcement? Yeah, obviously, sad news. Um, you know, he's one of the great figureheads throughout F1 history. And I think this is more of a reason for F1 to keep the Williams name within the sport. You know, we've seen it with Ferrari, we've seen it with McLaren. And I really hope that the Williams name stays in Formula One because he's a big part of the history, you know, particularly if you have looked back to the 80s and the 90s in particular, we know when those winning world champion uh, world championships and you had names like, you know, Mansell, Hill, PK, Prost for a season, you know, even Senna for a short time, unfortunately, that didn't end too well. But it's, it's, it's shrouded in history and he needs to be... Um, the Williams name needs to be staying in Formula One the way that we've seen with Ferrari and McLaren. Yeah, and if anything, it carries, at the very, very least, as much weight and significance to motorsport as those two names. And it, it's quite interesting. I remember an interview that Sir Frank had back in the late 70s. I think it was back in 1977 when the Williams team had was born, if you like. And, you know, he was talking to the reporters at the time about the significance of a name like Ferrari in Formula One. Um, the pedigree that it had in the country of Italy, how much it meant to them. And of course, Britain at the time, the biggest manufacturer in Formula One was BRM. But of course, that fizzled out. And he wanted to add that impotence to British racing that it, it didn't really have compared to the Italian uh, team and many other manufacturers that were in the sport at the time. And at the very, very least, he certainly achieved that and more um, to the point where it is one of the most recognisable brands in motorsport, not just in Formula One as well. And um, yeah, as I said, our hearts and deepest sympathies go out to his family and friends and and everybody that has been affected by this uh, tragic news. But of course, as Sir Frank would have wanted, he would have wanted us to continue with the sport. And um, as difficult as a loss as it will be, I'm sure the season finale will be fitting a tribute to a man that gave so much to motorsport and in a way pioneered a lot of the great things about the sport that we often take for granted and of course at a time like this we can acknowledge and appreciate him all the more yeah adam sorry just want to mention one thing um you look at some of the big names that are in formula one now you know they they their time with frank williams and the williams team played a big part i think the two most notable names right now are um Toto Wolf and oh, I've got his name. The guy at uh, Red Bull, Adrian Newey. You yes, know they yes. both spent time at at Williams. You know, like we, uh, 
Adrian Newey, I think, was a part of their dominant 93, the, uh, the making a dominant 93 car. So, you know, he, Frank Williams and Williams' team uh, played a role in the great names that we have in Formula 1 today. Yeah, absolutely right. And of course, you've mentioned so many of the drivers, even drivers that weren't driving for Sir Frank, the likes of Michael Schumacher and even Lewis Hamilton. Sir Lewis Hamilton, of course, let's not forget there was that lovely video that did the rounds uh, yesterday of uh, Sir Lewis when he drove um, Sir Frank round Silverstone for a couple of laps. Um, I remember Claire saying in the car to her dad saying, uh, you've got two laps to convince Lewis to join Williams from Mercedes. I'm, I'm pretty sure if the opportunity ever arose that Lewis would have definitely considered driving for Sir Frank. But uh, it was a lovely video um, to see two of the greats of F1 for totally different reasons, of course. But um, the racing in Frank certainly would have uh, loved and relished the idea of someone of Sir Lewis Hamilton's calibre driving for his team. But as we said already, so many greats of the past, uh, like Alain Prost, Nigel Mansell, Ayrton Senna, so many world champions and many, many more that we haven't mentioned, of course, um, being a part of that incredible family and that incredible name that, of course, will stand the test of time in F1 and be with us for many, many years to come. Um, but of course, Courtney, look, let's move on, you know, as tough as it may be for F1 right now, let's move on to the big, big story of the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix this weekend at Jeddah, a circuit which we weren't sure if it's going to happen or whether it's not. It does seem from what we've been told or what the latest news is that it does seem to be going ahead, even if it's not quite 100%. Um, at the bare minimum, they're going to have enough done to at least get a show on or at least get the race to go ahead, which, of course, will be music to the ears of the Lewis Hamilton fan base. Those of which, of course, aren't aware the current gap between Max Verstappen, the championship leader, and the seven-time world champion, Sir Lewis Hamilton, is now at eight points. And, of course, as a result of that, this is the first race in Max Verstappen's career that he could potentially walk away from it as the Formula One world champion. And I think it's no better place to start than talking about that situation, Courtney. Now, we've often said about Max Verstappen, particularly this season, that the boy just doesn't, or the man just doesn't feel any pressure. And I say boy because he's still incredibly young, um, just as old as Lewis was when he won his first title, albeit a few months older. But the man knows no fear. The man doesn't seem to know what the word pressure means. And at times when we felt that perhaps... He's been put under immense pressure from Lewis. Brazil, I think, was a fine example, perhaps the first time where we saw Max under some extreme pressure, perhaps feeling it a bit. He hasn't really shown any signs that he's concerned about the sudden surge in form that Lewis Hamilton has found with Mercedes, not to mention the fact that this is the first chance that he will have to win his first World Championship in an open-wheel series, let alone Formula 1. So I guess the question is, Courtney, what do you think is going to be going through Max Verstappen's head right now? Do you think he's going to be too focused on potentially winning the title this weekend? Or will the job for him just be, let's win this Grand Prix ahead of Lewis and see what happens after that? I think what we're seeing with Max Verstappen is, obviously with his dad being in F1, I think motorsport has had a big influence, obviously on his upbringing. And I just think that he's sort of the personification of the sport almost, where he's he's, he's almost like institutionalised by the sport where... All he thinks about is racing and winning rather than the pressure that comes with it, if that makes sense. Yeah. So I just think, yeah, I just, because I think he made a remark, I think I saw it um, online a few days ago that, you know, look, we all believe that he's going to be a multiple world champion, but he's not thinking about how many world championships he can win. He's just thinking about winning the current um, world championship. You know, and I think it's 
he's very, very much like within the F1 circle, which has helped him. I think the only the only scenarios where we actually seen some kind of pressure on Max is from people around him. You know, we've seen it particularly from Christian Horner. They did seem a little bit flustered in Qatar. They did, but it was I, I feel that it was people there was pressure being put on him from around his own team. So I wouldn't say he was he's he's under a lot of pressure, but I think we saw Max Verstappen being as close to being flustered last week and it wasn't necessarily his fault. Yeah, it's very true. I mean, we saw what happened in Qatar, you know, whether people agreed with it or not, Max Verstappen put himself in a position where he made a mistake and it and it cost him a few places on the grid. And again, regardless of how people saw the incident, they, the stewards ruled the way that they did. I thought it was a fair cop in the end. I think a lot of people felt that way afterwards. But Max got on with it, got those places back almost immediately. Probably knew that the, his best chance to sort of mitigate the damage caused by Lewis Hamilton was to try and nick the fastest lap, which of course he did, and did a remarkable job. Rejo- uh, sorry, remarkable job on that second stint, where not only did he seem to match Lewis Hamilton in terms of the outright pace available. But he pushed those tyres quite early to, into the stint to a point where he forced Lewis into a position to match him to try and hold on to that. And in the end, he came out on top. So a small victory, of course, the bigger picture, Lewis did win the race. But it's those kind of things that, you know, in a championship as tight as this could make the difference. And it's the sort of thing that you see Lewis Hamilton doing so often during his career. And it does leave that shudder doubt, perhaps even in Lewis's mind, that Max Verstappen, if Max is not going to win this world championship... It's not going to happen as a result of Max making a mistake because of the pressure. It's going to be one of those where Lewis and Mercedes are going to have to take it from him. And right now, you could argue that that's what they're potentially going to be doing. But of course, as we still already, we're kind of expecting fireworks in these last two races. But I'll be honest with you guys, I just think that given what we expect and given what we've predicted so far, I don't think you can rule anything out. And we've got two drivers that are so, so good right now, arguably as good as anything we've seen in the sport at any given time, it's going to be incredible to see how this season is going to pan out. I certainly can't predict it at this point. I know some people have changed their minds on this. I'm thinking Lewis has a real good shot here, but I say that, and yet on this weekend, the race goes, Max Verstappen could put together an absolute clinic against the odds. So, uh, Courtney, I know you want to weigh in on this as well, but uh, when you do... Um, give us your thoughts on how you're seeing this weekend going. Do you still feel confident that Lewis is not potentially the favourite for the title, but at least the favourite this weekend? And, you know, how how is he going to find it against Max Verstappen this weekend? Is it going to be as dominant as it was in Qatar and, and Brazil to a degree? Or do you think he's going to have a real issue to handle with Max Verstappen in a resurgent mood perhaps this weekend? So I think the situation is pretty clear. Um, given the level that Red Bull and Max in particular have been performing this season, I do believe that Lewis has to win both of the races. I think he needs to win both races. On paper, I think Mercedes and Lewis have the pace to do it. But on paper, that that's that's all it is, really. Um, there's a lot that can happen in Formula 1. We know this, um, particularly at a street circuit. You know, there, there could be, there, there will be crashes. There will be incidents that will cause safety cars, uh, and you know, in moments that completely turn a race around. Lewis, for it says, let, let's let's say that Mercedes have the dominant package and Lewis is tearing ahead. There could be a safety car that completely opens up the strategy, and then Max, you know, 
wins through strategy and Max is effectively world champion from that point. So, yeah, I'm, I'm in two minds. I think, like, on if, if both races go smoothly, let's say, so if it's just a generic, you know, smooth race, I think Lewis can win both races and become world champion. But I think given the season that we've had, and again, the level that Max in particular is performing at, this is far from over. You mentioned the Mercedes car briefly. And of course, that has been a huge talking point over the last few Grand Prix, whether or not that what the spec they're running with, particularly with the rear wing, is legal or not. There's been a lot of rhetoric from Christian Horner on this. There's been a lot of uh, confused response, if you like, from Total Wolf in, the, in on along the lines that he's not quite sure what Christian is talking about or what the media, what journalists are pointing to. He's even gone as far as saying, well, look, can you tell us what it is that we're doing that's wrong? Because we have no idea. And look, I, I think a lot of people can agree that this whole business of whether the Mercedes rear wing is legal or not is getting a bit boring. Um We've had the FIA now do a new test that they introduced at Qatar where they put, I think, 35 kilogram objects on certain parts of the rear wing to check if it was movable or not. Um, And that's kind of to simulate the load and stresses that it would be under at high speed. That seemed to pass those tests. Of course, Christian Horner's response was that, well, they were using a different spec rear wing for that event and that he knows that's to be the case because Mercedes were significantly down in areas where they obviously weren't in Brazil. So he's kind of saying that basically Mercedes knew the tests were going to come up as they usually would be informed in advance. You don't just surprise it on them. Um, Well, in most cases, they don't normally surprise it on them. But it's one of those where they say, well, look, we're going to be testing this. Obviously, Mercedes have brought an older spec rear wing, which they knew was going to pass the test and they might try and return with the new one like they used in Brazil. Look, I I don't know, guys. I I don't know about you. All of that I just said right now just sounds really boring. It's It's tedious. I just want a definitive answer. Yes or no. I don't think we're ever going to get one at this rate. But... Look, we're going to go to a race now at Saudi Arabia where the track is brand new. It's arguably the fastest street circuit that the locals are describing it. The circuit promoters are describing this as the fastest street circuit. I think the average speed over the lap is going to be 252.8 kilometers an hour, something like that, which on record will make it the second fastest circuit this season after Monza, of course. Now... That's not to say that we're going to get a similar race to what we saw in Monza, Courtney, but there are certain characteristics of this circuit that certainly would likely favour one car more than the other, most notably the Mercedes. And given what we saw in Brazil, there's a good chance that we could see something similar in terms of performance. But the truth is, we probably really don't know. I mean, and I say this with the utmost respect for both teams, because we went to Qatar, and I think a lot of us, myself included, thought we were going to see Red Bull really put on a good show and that Max Verstappen would be the favourite. In the end, it was the opposite. And the reason I said that is because I thought the track was going to be more of a rear limited circuit, which I thought would suit the Red Bull better. The Mercedes might struggle a little bit with their low rate concept there. But it turned out the track ended up being a front limited circuit, meaning, and long story short, guys, what I mean by that is um, we, we kind of figured that out when the front left tyre of a lot of the cars was really struggling. And of course, that was the tyre that had those blowouts, one on Bottas and on the Williams cars. Um, so... You know, it really impacted Red Bull in a negative way, one which they probably didn't anticipate and, of course, played to Mercedes' advantage. So we're going to another circuit with that. Whilst we expect Mercedes to be the favourite, I think it's fair to say that when you look at some of the other low-drag circuits that we've been to this season, Red Bull have been relatively strong. So now that we've had a two-week break, or we will do when we get to this weekend, Courtney, um, we've seen, of course, Red Bull's previous performance at low-drag circuits where they've been very strong this season. 
They may have been able to fix that rear wing issue on Max's car where that rear wing on the DRS is flapping up and down. Um, you know, not intentionally, of course. That's why they had to change it for Qatar for a higher downforce one, which really hurt Max on the straights. But with all that being said, do you feel that this is going to be a slam dunk Mercedes victory or a track we expect Mercedes to be the favourite at? Or do you think that this could potentially be another race where we may get a shock result? Because we've had that more often this season than we'd probably care to admit. I mean, the American race was a great example. We weren't expecting Max to win there, and yet he did. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll get that. But I, it just seems that Mercedes have made a real step forward since Brazil. You know, it's 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 if you have a look at like the trend of this season, it's been mainly Red Bull. I don't think we've seen Mercedes do well back to back tracks really at all this season. I, I just think that there's a little bit of a trend where, you know, there's a lot being said about the development of the car. But, um, yeah, I just think, I just I just think right now, Mercedes have the pace. I think they have the momentum. And I think they're very, very keen to, because, you know, I don't, I don't think they thought they were going to be in a position to compete. So I think this alone, this situation alone has given them more fire in the belly to get this over the line. Look, it's, it's far from over, but I think Mercedes would definitely be a lot more optimistic than they were a few weeks ago. They certainly seem that way. I mean, judging by Toto's body language and the way he was talking at the end of the Qatar Grand Prix, you could certainly see that there was some sort of shift um, in his mind that he probably felt a lot more relaxed. The car seemed to find a purple patch now with it. And Lewis is driving to the best he of his ability at this point in time. He's certainly been the best that Lewis has looked all season long. So there's certainly a strong belief I believe in that camp that they have what it takes to win these last two races as I said we talked about this a couple of weeks ago saying that Hamilton and Mercedes had practically four cup finals half the job is done half of it's go but based on their form right now you certainly can't rule them out from doing that and that's probably what they will have to do to at least win the drivers championship the constructors one may be a little bit different you know that seems to be going up and down as well but we'll get into that in just a moment so with all that being said regarding Mercedes's upturning performance and Lewis Hamilton, Max Verstappen, of course, doing the best job that he can at the moment. And it's up to Red Bull to try and give him that extra something that he probably needs to win this fight. Do you think there's any realistic chance that we're going to see anything other than these two literally will-to-will for the rest of the season? Or do we expect another caveat to be thrown into this, i.e., reliability issues or engine penalties or another mistake or even perhaps a Bottas or a Perez factor into all of this? I'm, I'm going to be accused of being biased, but I, I, as I said, I think if everything goes smoothly, hypothetically, you need to stress that part. If everything goes smoothly, I think Lewis could win both races quite easily. But, Look, the way the season's gone off, I think there's going to be a safety car incident. I think it could be a, a, a turn one incident between Lewis and Max for liability. Yeah, I, it's, it's a really weird situation. Um, like a few weeks ago, we thought Max had it covered. Now we're in a situation where in one sense it looks like Max has it covered, but in another way, it looks like Lewis does. So... <laughs> it's, it's, it's been a long old season, but we're in the end game now. And as I said at the very beginning of the episode, we're going to be getting our answer in the next week or so, and I can't wait. Yeah, 
No, I, I agree to some extent. Um, I, I don't think personally that Bottas and Perez are going to come into this equation. No. I mean, we, we could get a situation where if Mercedes are as good as they think they are, that Bottas could end up getting ahead of Verstappen and maybe helping Lewis a little bit more. I'm sure Hamilton and Mercedes fans would love that. But um, even then, there's always that situation where these two are just so good right now that Bottas and Perez are an afterthought. Um, even after what Bottas, what, after what Hamilton and Verstappen were doing in Qatar with the extra stop, Perez was still a long way back. Even though he didn't finish in third, he was still a long way back. Um, and, and Bottas would have been as well. So, you know, it does seem to be mano e mano between these two. I'm quite intrigued to see how Mercedes handle this circuit because, and, and I say this because in Brazil and Qatar, where of course there's been a lot of scrutiny thrown their way in terms of what Red Bull have been saying about them. Um, over legality of their rear wing and, of course, that extra straight line speed that they seem to be getting in the right areas. But all of the stats suggest that that's not necessarily the case. And, you know, they're running a higher downforce or the Monaco spec downforce setup on their cars to, you know, you know they've got the great speed in the corners that they've been enjoying. But, um, you know, all, all the other stuff that they've been doing with their car that's been able to give Hamilton that extra boost and everything else in the straights, it doesn't seem to be showing up in the speed trap. So it kind of makes me curious to think that, well, if that's the case, then surely Mercedes can't be considered the favourites at Saudi Arabia. I mean, I know it sounds strange to say, but I'm kind of intrigued to see how this gets tweaked for that to the point where they deliver what we expect them to. Don't you think? Because that's what I'm going well, on, really. I'll yeah, I mean, I mean, the only thing that we have to consider here is that they did use the Turkey spec engine in Qatar and they're going to have they have the fresh engineer which Mercedes say will be two tenths a lap fast now I know that doesn't seem a lot over the thing of one lap but over the course of a Grand Prix that does accumulate but I think given the nature of the circuit I think qualifying is going to be key so I think that's where it's going to be really interesting if it's a lot if it's a lot closer and Max gets pulled despite having a slower package on race day it's going to be difficult for Lewis to overtake and we're seeing, we're seeing the Mercedes start struggle. It's, it's traditionally, even though they've dominated F1 since 2014, the biggest weakness of the Mercedes that it's unable to follow. So qualifying could be key. But I just I just get the feeling that Mercedes have unlocked something here. I really do. They may have done. As I said, I'm quite intrigued to see how this plays out. I don't think this race is going to go down in the same way that Brazil and Qatar did, where Lewis was just on unbelievable pace and that everyone else just you know Verstappen has been congratulated for keeping Lewis behind for 58 laps rather than uh, even though Lewis started as far back as he did um it, it's a tough one um I, I'm quite intrigued to see how this Red Bull does in the lower drag conditions compared to the Mercedes because as I said we've just gone from two tracks that obviously require a lot of grip and a lot of downforce for different reasons and Mercedes they found a trick or did something or Lewis Hamilton did something incredible on both circuits uh, and Red Bull had their own problems with their own car. Like I said, the, the rear wing issue that they had meant that they couldn't run the rear wing that they wanted to in both of those races. They had to replace it, and it was the same issues they had in Mexico. So perhaps that now we've had that break, they've been able to go home, analyse the issue, maybe put a fix for that so they can run this lower drag rear, rear wing, which they're going to need to at this circuit. I mean, it's literally probably going to be an, a Monza-style setup on the car to a, some sort of degree. So I'm intrigued to see how that all pans out and who ends up coming up on top. I don't think it's going to be as straightforward as some people might think. I really do think Red Bull and Verstappen in particular could pose a serious threat. But if you if you ask me to put my money on it, I'm going to go with Lewis and Mercedes this weekend. I think it's the sensible choice, but 
Ah, we've been wrong so many times before on this show, Courtney, and I'm sure the Lewis fan base will hate me for this because I have a terrible track record this season. I think that's just the nature of the year, Courtney, that we've predicted so many places from day one this season. We've predicted so many results, not just us. Everyone in F1 has think, oh, yeah, this one looks like a Red Bull track. This one's a Mercedes track. Um, and, and credit to Red Bull, they've been more successful at Mercedes tracks than Mercedes have at Red Bull circuits, you know, if you want to have a direct comparison, I'm certain of that. But um, even then, it just it just brings up so much ambiguity and we just can't really figure out who's going to come out on top. But, uh, you know, all that said, I, I'm still going to stick with Lewis to win with Max uh, behind him and probably Bottas in third, maybe, unless he has more bad luck like he did in Qatar. Um, although I, I don't think he's going to want another hurry up on the radio from Total Wolf this weekend, that's for sure. So be interesting to see what goes on between him and Perez. We should also mention, Courtney, the Constructors' Championship now. Um briefly now i think red bull did pull back mercedes a little bit owing to bottas's retirement in qatar um the gap between them is only five points so in theory mercedes could win the constructors championship this weekend as well but of course they would need a 39 point swing in their favor because i think red bull have more victories than they do so um yeah that's uh, that's going to be a very very interesting one um who do you think is going to win out of that one? Do you think uh, Bottas is going to continue where he left off in the previous races before last week? Or do you think he may have a little bit of a difficult period at the worst possible time? Because Perez right now seemed pretty consistent. You know, top four in the last five races, three podiums. So uh, that's, he's doing exactly what Red Bull need him to do. So how do you see that one going, Dan? I think if we have a look at uh, Qatar, I think Bottas was a tad unlucky. I think if it wasn't for the tyre blowout, it could have been on for a podium finish and it's just another example where I just feel that Mercedes have found something and I just think that will give Bottas and Mercedes the edge in the Constructors' Championship I, I just I, I, I don't want to jinx it because I, I do I do seem pretty confident about this but I've just I've seen Mercedes operate in a way that I haven't seen all season and it's, it hasn't happened just by luck there is there's a reason why they are where they are now. You know, it feels, it feels like we're, again, don't want to get too carried away with it. It feels like we're in sort of like 2014, 2016 territory at times, you know? Yeah, it, it could well be. Um, it, ironically, it's, it's one of those where 2016 might give Mercedes some sort of thought to be a little bit, uh, how can I put this? Uh, quietly optimistic, but um, you know you certainly can't rule anything out at this point. Um, let's move on to a different topic of discussion with the uh, next few teams in line. Um, back to Ferrari and McLaren. Now, whilst this one technically is still a battle, it seems very, very likely at this point that unless something of miracle proportions, with all due respect to McLaren, happens against Ferrari, it does seem very, very likely that Ferrari have got P3 all but wrapped up in the Constructors' Championship. That being said, though, we're now going to a circuit which may actually play into McLaren's strengths with the straight-line speed advantage that they obviously have over Ferrari at times, um, owing to the powerful Mercedes engine in the back of that car. But then again, Ferrari have had a few fair experiences this season, particularly in more recent races, where they have been near the top end of the speed trap. So... You know, with, with all that being factored in, Courtney, is this a weekend that we expect McLaren to be at the very minimum closer to Ferrari? Or do you feel that they may feel that this is the best opportunity that they've got to try and get one over on Ferrari before the end of the season, even if ultimately it doesn't result in them overtaking them in the championship? 
Yeah, I think in terms of the battle, I think McLaren are on the beach now. Um, I think Lando and uh, Daniel will be enjoying the last, uh, obviously, last two races. I think they're going to be strong. I predicted this a few weeks ago. You know, Ferrari won't be as far back. You know, we've seen how well that engine upgrade has helped the car. Um, but I just think that this is an almost Monza spec. It's, it's like it's like a strict circuit version of Monza. I think that's probably the closest way of describing this circuit. And we saw how strong McLaren were. Um, Danny Ricciardo won that race. Some people would put that down to Max and Lewis hitting each other. But I think even if Lewis had continued, I think he might have struggled to have overtaken McLaren. We saw Lewis struggle against the McLaren in the straight line speed at Monza in the sprint race. So I think in terms of that kind of circuit, McLaren will be particularly strong. And when we mention the bold predictions, usually, I think one of the McLaren lads is going to finish in the top five this weekend. Yeah, I think that's a pretty reasonable shout. Um, again, this could probably be the best result McLaren get for the rest of the season. This is a race I imagine they, they will target uh, for a few different reasons. And, you know, it might be one that compliments them. I think they need to get, for their own confidence before the end of the season, whether they genuinely believe that there's still a chance for P3, I'm sure they'll push for it regardless until it's over. Uh, and Ferrari at this point, I think they just need a five-point swing in their favour or four-and-a-half-point swing in their favour. But, you know, we're not going to get that many points. Um, to seal it on account that McLaren, of course, got that race win in Monza, which, of course, gives them the advantage over Ferrari in terms of countback. So, it's something on those lines, yeah. So, um, in their minds, it, it seems that for them, perhaps the best result for them will be to just try and beat Ferrari. And, of course, for Norris and for Ricardo, for different reasons that are probably lacking a little bit of confidence and probably need a good result just to give them that boost they need. I mean, Lando drove really well in Qatar and the strategy and the tyre issues of course apparently had a slow puncher that kind of cost him so McLaren kind of need to put a few good performances together before the end of the season just to give him something to look back on with a little bit of pride and something to sort of get their tails up for next season when of course the real opportunity still kicks in for them um, and then you've got Ferrari of course who since Turkey, as, as we've said, or since Russia, if you like, have kind of reveled in this rich vein of form where they seem to be putting everything together. They're not making many mistakes, or at least if there are issues on a Saturday, they can recover it on the Sunday. Um, and this newfound engine performance has obviously helped them a lot, particularly on the battery side, but of course they've matched up with Red Bull Mercedes in terms of the electrical output. As far as we're aware, they're still, at the minimum, it puts them on par with Alpine and the Renault engine in terms of performance. But... Um, I'm quite intrigued to see how they get on this weekend, Courtney, because whilst we've said a lot already that it seems that cars that tend to have better straight line speed will do well this weekend, Ferrari were pretty handy at Monza, even though they didn't really have the straight line speed performance. They were sort of in and around the fight with the likes of McLaren, Mercedes and Red Bull. Of course, they were nowhere near winning it, but they were certainly in that sort of pack. So perhaps with this added boost in performance and a few more difficult turns thrown into this circuit, particularly higher speed turns, could we see a chance that perhaps Ferrari might be eyeing a potential podium as well as perhaps the top five that they normally shoot for? It's it's a possibility. I think with the driver pairing that they have, you know, never rule them out. Um, I just think getting close to the podium will be difficult given that, you know, the top two teams are in a battle to win a championship. So the level they're going to be, they're going to be operating at a higher level even than usual. I think both teams are going to be operating at an optimum level. So 
I think in normal conditions, normal circumstances, I think the podium's going to be out of the equation for these teams. But a top five, top five finish, certainly. Yeah. Who, who do you reckon is going to come out on top between these two? If, of course, it is these two in this battle? I've got a feeling, I've got a feeling it's going to be, I think Lando's due a good weekend. I think he's been very unlucky lately. So I reckon Lando, I think Lando's due a good weekend. Yeah. I'm expecting a strong weekend for McLaren. They have had that advantage in the straight line speed department. And I think that's going to serve them well this weekend. I certainly hope it does for their sake. I don't think it's going to be enough for them to overturn Ferrari in the Constructors' Championship unless something miraculous happens in the last two races. So we'll just have to wait and see. Um, Let's move on now to Alpine. Now, Alpine, of course, reveling on from that incredible weekend in Qatar where Fernando Alonso rolled back the years to get that podium and Esteban Ocon also finished in P5, which now has put them in a position where they're all but secure for fifth place in the Constructors' Championship ahead of Alpha Tauri. What are you expecting from them this weekend, Courtney? They'll have a decent weekend um, again. They'll be confident. I just think the problem in that battle that we've seen between um, Alpine and Alpha Tauri um, you've got Fernando. We, we all know the level that Fernando Alonso can set. You know, we, we, we've given a good reminder of it in Qatar. We all know that Pierre Gasly has has been one of the star drivers, not only this season, but last season as well. But the problem is Alpine can rely on Esteban Ocon a lot more than Alfa Tauri can rely on Sonoda. So I think that, it's his first season of Formula One. He's been under a lot of criticism. And I don't want to, you know, add to that, even obviously in the scheme of things, it doesn't really matter. I just think Sonoda has been, it sounds harsh, but I think Sonoda has been the critical element in this battle this year. Yeah, to a degree he kind of has, because, um, you know, Ocon has had a few big performances this year, not necessarily just the win in Hungary. Of course, Alonso has been relatively consistent most of the year and, of course, did a great job uh, last time out in Qatar to get that podium. And, of course, his performance in Hungary was certainly almost as notable as Ocon's to some degree, some cases more. Um, And Gasly has been phenomenal this year. He's been one of the standout drivers this season. But, unfortunately, he's just been very unfortunate. The strategy really cost him in the Qatar Grand Prix, despite an incredible qualifying position, which, of course, ultimately saw him start on the front row alongside Lewis Hamilton. So, um, you know, to go from that all the way down to P11, I believe it was, outside the points, would have been really, really hurting for him and the team. And uh, with Sonoda, of course, again, let down, about, let down by the strategy. But he's been, you know, the mistakes that have been made earlier in the season have really cost his team. And it's a shame for AlphaTauri. Of course, it's certainly not over yet. But um, for them to acquire a 25-point swing over Alpine in the last two races is, you know, almost impossible to achieve. But again, you know, anything can happen. I, I expect AlphaTauri to be strong this weekend. I think this track will suit their car rather well, but it could potentially be too little too late for them to do anything about getting P5. Um, again, Aston Martin kind of in a beach holiday position, if you like, Um you know, uh, Otmar Zafner has been saying how the team haven't had really had much resource allocated to this year's car. They knew very much, very early on that it was going to be an uphill battle, probably one that wasn't worth climbing. And um, they seem to be focused primarily on 2022. Of course, they hired a new uh, man over from Mercedes to help out in their eng- uh, help out in their team. Um, so, you know, all that being said, Courtney Aston Martin definitely very much focused on next year, but. Uh, 
over the last few races, they've not necessarily been too bad. Lance Stroll putting together one of his better performances this season. Sebastian Vessel recovered from a difficult start. So um, this could potentially be a race where Aston Martin might find themselves in a the mix. The track characteristics certainly wouldn't necessarily go against them from doing well. So could they prove to be a factor this weekend? Again, don't rule it out. I think with someone like Sebastian Vettel in the team, if an opportunity arises, he'll be there to take it. Um, but I do. I, I just think they're on the beach. You know, they're, they're another team. I think the majority of the grid are now. I think the majority of the battles have now been decided. It's just the main one at the top. So it's, it's, it's almost... I, I look at the Formula 1 grid and it's like everyone's on the beach and everyone's got their boxes of popcorn at watching what's happening between Lewis and Max and Mercedes and Red Bull. I think, that, I think that's where we're at now, to be honest. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, it's been a strange season for Aston Martin. There's certainly a lot of lessons to learn from, but um, hopefully all of this will make them stronger next season. I think F1 certainly needs them to be up there. Uh, I mean, we say that about a lot of teams, of course, but um, Aston Martin, the pedigree with the brand, even though it's not necessarily attributed to Formula 1, so to speak, it's more well-known in other racing series, um, it's certainly one that's going to grow in a lot of people and one that I think is certainly going to have a growing fan base over the time and certainly an empire that looks like it's going to be building step by step. So certainly one to watch out for, almost like a sleeping giant. It's just a case of when that giant wakes up and uh, I'm pretty sure Lawrence Stroll will hope to achieve that as soon as he possibly can. Um, let's move on to the final teams. Williams, I mean, this is going to be a tough weekend for them for obvious reasons attributed to Sir Frank. Um, I suppose in their case, it's one of those weekends where they can kind of enjoy and celebrate Sir Frank's legacy and everything that he meant to the team and everything that everything that he left behind and what he had built him and his family um, rather than worrying about performances. I, I suppose the only thing that we can look at in terms of their drivers right now is um, where their race pace is going. I mean, I know it was an area that they struggled with a lot this season, but there was a time where their race pace was actually not too bad and they were picking up some great results. Um do you feel that perhaps in both drivers' minds, for different reasons, that they're perhaps thinking more about next season and just going through the motions at this point? I mean, I don't want to be too critical owing to their current situation, but it feels to me, particularly with George Russell, that um, he it feels to me that he's almost in a bit like holiday mode and just going through the motions, knowing that what awaits him in a few months' time is going to be a brand spanking new Mercedes, which could potentially be gunning for the 2022 championship. Yeah, I, I think he's sort of, he's uh, mentally, he's already sort of got one step in that Mercedes car. Um, and it's also where, where the team are at. You know, you've already stated it. I've, they've, they've, they've outperformed in terms of the points they picked up. I don't think they would have, they could have dreamed of getting the amount of points that they got at the beginning of the season. So in that sense, they've overachieved. Um, so they're happy with that. They're, they're satisfied with how the season has gone. So they'll just enjoy the last two races as a team. I just, I just think it's vital, you know, going back to what I mentioned at the very beginning of the episode, I, I just think it's vital for this team to really kick on in the coming seasons because if not, I've got genuine concerns they could drop out of the sport altogether. So as an F1 fan altogether, I'm really hoping they improve with development because they, that, that prize money is so... I think we sometimes forget because there's so much money in Formula 1, I think we sometimes forget how important that prize money is to the teams and the sponsorship that comes with it. So they need to be up in their game in the next couple of seasons. Yeah, most certainly. I, I certainly hope that they will. They've already got the right people there. They've got the right equipment, the right facilities. I'm not too sure about the driver lineup next year. 
Um, Latifi, I think he's a solid driver, but um, certainly not one, I think, in my opinion, that's going to be challenging for race wins and championships in F1, but he's certainly worth his merit in the sport. Uh, Alex Albon, that is one that is potentially a lot more exciting for mm. different reasons. I think Alex is going to be more than ready to hit the ground running, and I certainly hope that the car is good enough where we see more of the Alex Albon that we saw in spells last year, and also more notably the Alex Albon we saw in uh, Toro Rosso a couple of years ago when he was back in the sport. So uh, certainly looking forward to see how he gets on. But um, yeah, let's hope for William's sake that they are actually right in the fight where they would want to be. There's not really much to say on Haas. You know, I'm sure there are Haas fans out there that listen to this, probably hope that we'd have more to talk about. Um, they've not really given us too much to talk about at most races. They've been on a beach all season. <laughs> well, in a way, they've done what they can and they've all done a relatively good job. And, you know, we joke a lot about the, the situation that they're in right now um, with all the greatest respect to them because, of course, their focus and priorities on next year. This year has kind of been an extended test session for their drivers, um, by which we've learned a lot about both of them, for better or worse. So it's going to be more of the same for them this weekend. We'll just have to wait and see how that pans out for them. But um, Alfa Romeo is probably good to round off with them, Courtney. Um, of course, we now know what their driver lump's going to be next season. Giovinazzi, of course, I think he secured a drive in Formula E for next year. So I, I do apologise. I'm not the biggest Formula E fan. I do watch a few races from now and then, so I don't really follow every news. But I had heard that he, and also Dan Tictum, Speaking of Williams as well, I think he secured a drive in Formula E for next season as well. So that sport seems to be growing in popularity and reputation owing to this new breed of young drivers coming into the sport. It's it's no longer a, a series where, you know, older racers that have left Formula One or other series have decided to have their last hurrah, if you like, in that sport. It's now certainly encouraging younger, more talented drivers with all due respect to some of them in the past that are certainly bringing that sport forward. So that's great news for them. Um but yeah, on the subject, Alfa Romeo, uh, they had a farewell party, I believe, for Kimi Raikkonen mm-hmm. in the week. Um, I did see snippets of that, and it was quite sad, but nice to reminisce in Kimi's incredible career, spanning almost 20 years in the sport, uh, minus that sabbatical period he had for a few seasons. Of course, the World Championship in 2007, the near misses in 2003, in particular in 2005. Um, and now we're coming to the final final chapters of Kimi Raikkonen's illustrious F1 career. And um, what are you what are you expecting from Kimi and Antonio this weekend, Courtney? Now, for me, I know we don't often sing their praises as a team, but um, Kimi's still fighting away in there, still having some fun and seems to be getting some good results. And then there's Antonio with practically no pressure on him now because his future is secured outside the sport. Are you expecting perhaps them two to put on a bit of a show? For the Jetta crowd this I, weekend? I, I think particularly Kimi Raikkonen, I think that's going to be the main story, isn't it? From Alfa Romeo giving Kimi Raikkonen a good send-off as he deserves. So that's that's going to be, I'd say, the biggest story at the back of the grid. And, you know, I think Abu Dhabi, I, I definitely expect there to be a, a good spectacle for Kimi, 100%. Yeah, I certainly hope so. Um, I mean, Kimi certainly deserves a nice send-off. And I hope that he enjoys the last couple of races he had. It's been fun watches in his career in full, as I've followed it since 2001. Um, and he certainly had a big impact on the sport for, you know, for some, I think some newer fans have obviously heard stuff that he said on the radio and not really enjoyed it as perhaps some of us uh, older fans do with a bit of nostalgia bias, I suppose, thrown in. Because, of course, we'd be criticising other drivers for doing similar things, which, of course, isn't right. But um, 
I suppose the only defense we have is that, you know, it's, it's Kimi and, and it's not a right one, but that's literally the one that we have really, if you look fondly on his career. That being said though, an incredibly talented driver has done a lot for the sport and, um, it's going to be fun to watch the last few races of his career, as it has been with so many other greats that he's raced alongside with. Of course, the only couple that are left are Fernando Alonso and Sebastian Vettel, and of course, Lewis Hamilton. Let's not forget him as well. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's it's another another sign, I suppose, that the era of Formula One is now changing once again. And uh, we have to say goodbye to some old favourites and welcome in, of course, a new breed of new talent that's going to enrich the sport even more so than what we currently have right now. So uh, there's always a, a new dawn, I suppose, if the best way of describing it. Um, any final thoughts, Courtney, before we go this weekend? Actually, no, I've almost forgot one thing. Go on. Serial Beatable. Um, on today, of course, we're recording this on the Monday, even though it's going out on the Wednesday. Um, so I think we might see this by the time the episode comes out on video, but... Via Daniel Ricciardo's Instagram, Cyril Abitable, of course, promised Daniel Ricciardo that if he was to get a podium for the Renault team when he was driving for them last season, then Cyril would get a tattoo of Daniel's choice placed on his backside. And uh, have and behold, of course, last season it was at the uh, Eiffel Grand Prix, I believe it was, that Daniel got the podium at the time. Of course, he ended up getting one at Imola as well um, at the Nürburgring. But um, yeah, Daniel getting that podium. And now, of course, Cyril... He's now paying up his bet tab and has now probably already got the tattoo as we speak and we will see the video on Wednesday. So, Courtney, are you excited to see what's put on Cyril's backside and uh, do you have any ideas on what it's going to be? I mean, I haven't spent too much time thinking about his backside, but I just don't know why it took so long for it to happen. It's been over a year. I don't quite know what happened there. Yeah, maybe it's taken Daniel that long to track him down. Maybe just stumbled across him in the market in Monaco, saw Cyril walking around. He's like, hello, you've got a bet tab to pay up, mate. It wouldn't surprise me. No, it wouldn't surprise me. Maybe Daniel was on his run and just saw him and just ran after him and just pinned him down. He's been tracking him down. I reckon he's been, I reckon he's tracked him down. I reckon he's had like a few of his, a few spies looking about for him. Mm, Me too. Maybe it's like, how many taken films are there? I'm just trying to think. I'm, I lost track, mate. Yeah, lost I lost track. Take. Yeah, maybe you got Liam Neeson involved or something to kind of hunt. He called Cyril <laughs> on the phone and said, oh, I don't know who you are, find you and I'll kill you or, or find you and drag you in for your tattoo, I suppose. Um, yeah, but I'm certainly interested to see what he gets in the end. So uh, we'll have to see what happens on Wednesday. Of course, this episode will be live on Wednesday. So uh, yeah, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens there. So that, that'll be a good laugh. Um, well, I guess it's the best way to round this episode off, guys. There's not really much more that we can add to this one. We've already given our preview, but we want to know what you guys think, of course, about the main talking points this weekend. Of course, you know, we're paying tribute to Sir Frank Williams in this episode. So, of course, if you have any nice memories of Sir Frank that you'd like to add in the comments, please let us know. If you're watching on YouTube, let us know in the comments below. We'd love to read through some of your memories of Sir Frank and some of the highlights of his time at the Williams team. And of course, let us know your predictions for the Saudi Arabia Grand Prix, a Grand Prix where Max Verstappen could become a one-time Formula One world champion. And uh, of course, he needs an 18-point swing to do that, but it certainly could happen. But of course, if you think Lewis Hamilton is going to take the title or at least take it to the final race of the season, let us know your thoughts below, of course, any other predictions that you may have. Until then, guys, of course, all that's left to say is if you've enjoyed the episode, make sure to give it a like and subscribe to the channel if you're following us on YouTube. And of course, give us a nice review as well or follow us if you are listening on your favorite podcasting platform around the world, wherever you may be. And until next time, guys, we have been DNF1. Thanks for tuning in. Please stay safe. We'll see you in the next episode of the DNF1 F1 podcast. Take care.
Social Podcast Network.